You're listening to Two Dudes, One Disc, where the most sought-after music journalists, the greatest minds in the history of... You really gonna make me read this sh- Just read it! Take on the most influential albums of all time. Here's your host, Michael Heideman, on Two Dudes, One Disc. What's going on, everybody? It's time for another episode of Two Dudes, One Disc. I'm your host, Mike Heideman, and on this episode, we venture into one of the most introspective, egotistical, and some might say aggressively creative minds of our time, Stephen Patrick Morrissey, or better known as singer-songwriter Morrissey, with his album, The Queen Is Dead, and he was with his band, The Smiths. And who better to take on this near-impossible task to dive into the mind of this singer than one of the most intelligent, hard-working, musically-minded, badass journalists on the planet and WGN radio host, Amy Guth. Amy, thanks so much for coming on the show. Glad to be here. <laughs> I'm so That's quite glad an intro. Yeah, of course. Well, I thought with this kind of verbose singer and album, we should have a better intro than That's right. just you the gotta, normal, you have Hi, to Amy constantly balance Morrissey in your life. Yes. And I, I mean, here's the thing. Here's like the headline to start with, is it's really complicated to be a Morrissey and Smiths fan anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, Truly. He's a jerk. Yeah. That's he what I'm is a jerk. Out. He he is worse than a jerk. He's the thing I can't really say on this show. He he's like his political views do not align with mine. Mm-hmm. He has said a lot of really inflammatory and racist and xenophobic things that, that you're just like, I cannot be on board with you. But here's why we're here to talk about Morrissey and the Smiths today. Mm-hmm. Because growing up in north central Texas, mm-hmm. I I do not match there. <laughs> I still do not match there, really. Um, but I was keenly aware as a young teen how much I did not match there. Yeah, yeah, I could see. And so suddenly, around the same time, um, m- my cousin, my, I have an older cousin who's so awesome. She is in a band herself. Um, she's so, so incredibly cool. But she is has always been a big musical influence on me. And so she had a lot of Smith stuff. And mm-hmm. I was like, what is this? That I match. Okay. I don't match here in North Central Texas, but I do match the, <laughs> this music. And it was something different. I had, you know, we had a lot of like that 80s hairband rock, glam rock going on. Yeah, that we was, had was like happening. A, a lot of country music around, and suddenly this. And I was like, whoa. So I say all that to say it's complicated to be a Morrissey fan, but also. I have this long time. I have to recognize this album mm-hmm. because of the role that it's played in my life and the songs on it have played. Yeah, because they've been like a life preserver at some moments in my life. They and they mean a lot of, for a lot of people. Not only as fans, but other musicians, artists, the and the like. I mean, one of the most influential. British uh, singer-songwriters of all time. He's made many lists. I mean, there was those Beatles guys. I, oh, I heard them. I heard them. <laughs> They're new, though, right? Did <laughs> they tour with Bieber? <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm going to put, you know, I'm, I'm a big Smiths fan I, because, you know, it's about, like, the soundtrack of your life. Yeah. And it, it has become complicated as we've gotten into the Me Too, Me Too era where mm-hmm. you're like, well, if this person is going to do this reprehensible thing, is it ethical for me to support them mm, anymore? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, I'm not spending money on any Smiths music. They're long disbanded. Yeah. I own it all already, you know, so it's like, well, I'm going to honor and acknowledge that my younger self needed this music and it is indeed part of her soundtrack. 
that's a really beautiful way of looking at it because at one point it's like almost like a, a, a box of memories that you put in your closet exactly and then what it's you like. take it out every once in a while and you're like, oh, I remember when I was that person. Yeah, it's like reading, <laughs> you know, a love note from a high school boyfriend. Yeah. It's like, oh, he turned out to be a complete jag and I would not <laughs> speak to him now or give him a second look. But like in this sweet moment, here's this sweet little letter written on notebook paper. Mm -hmm. And that's a funny way to look at it too because Morrissey is kind of like everyone's boyfriend who was kind of a dick because... Who turned out to be really terrible. You think he's going to go on the date with you and then you buy tickets and you buy dinner and then he doesn't show oh, up. So there's that too. I mean, all of his, you know, yeah. personality stuff that, that does not align with mine uh, aside... He's, here's the trick to seeing Morrissey live, which I've done many, many times. Mm -hmm. As soon as he announces tour dates, go to the first couple of them. Yes. Don't wait for him to come to you because he will not make it. He does not like... Here's the thing. I Know thyself, Morrissey. Just just like recognize... <laughs> know thyself. You're not going to make it to Chicago. You're mm -hmm. not going to make it to your 10th or 12th thing. Just, mm -hmm. just acknowledge, hey, you know what? I don't want to do a long tour because it makes me tired and I get sick and I get grouchy and I start taking down on people and I fire Christine Young. He's fired her several times. Who is Christine Young? She's his longtime opening band. Oh, okay, okay. She's really cool. I he wish I had her, her clothing. Times. He fires her all the time. They get in these big fights. So it's like, just know yourself, Morrissey, and know that you're not going to do this long tour. Just say like, hey, I'm going to do five or six tour, or like five or six cities in the mm -hmm. world. Y'all coming to me. And I think people would. That's the thing. People would. It, well, yeah, they, people have an affection towards this man. And, and some might can be confused why. But, hey, The Queen is Dead, one of the most uh, influential albums of all time, is the third studio album, in fact, by English rock band The Smiths, released on June 16, 1986. Oh, when just when Amy Guth was coming to be in her own self and <laughs> yeah, who I she mean, was. Yeah, I mean, that lines up with, like, about the time I started realizing, like, I don't match here. <laughs> I don't match here, and I, I need to make other arrangements and figure that out. So, you know, this this album has carried, and, and its songs have carried me through a lot of life changes mm -hmm. and into a lot of places. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I moved around a lot as a kid, and as an adult, I did a long time. Now, I've lived in Chicago longer than I've lived anywhere. I moved mm -hmm. here in 2001, the end of 2001. And, uh, you know, it's it's now it's home to me for sure. But, yeah. you know, I think of all the moments that I've had in my life to songs from this album. And it's, uh, you know, gives me a, a nice little a nice little smile. I really like that. OK, so the first song of The Queen is Dead, obviously, and it comes right and just kicks you in the face with that great drum beat. It yeah. carries all the way through. It's almost so energetic that it doesn't slow down. No bridges, just straight yeah. through the it's, entire and song. And it's a great road trip song. That's a good, yeah. It's a I really good road trip song when you're just like, I just got to get there. <laughs> like when you're in the plow through mode, you're like, okay, I'm too close to my destination to stop for the night, mm -hmm. but I just got to go. That's a good song. I for can that. see the camera panning in from like two people who are just on a journey. One person's sleeping on the side, the other person's like just wild, wired, and awake at the wheel. And then they just pan out to like the, the gorge or something. Okay, funny that through. you say that. I have a playlist called Cinematic AF. <laughs> And it's all okay. songs that that make me think in in cinematic ways. Yeah. Songs that make me say, okay, this inspires a vision of this, and that song is on there. So it's interesting that you say that. Interesting to, to bring that up. What about the song, frankly, Mr. Shankly? What does this inspire in you? So this song is one I point to a lot when people go, oh, the Smiths are so whiny. I'm like, okay, so name a Smith song. Mm -hmm. And they can't. Mm -hmm. And I say, here's the thing. They're this like cheeky, underhanded, subversive merriness is how I've described them on the record before. Yes, wow. You hit that right on the nose. Okay. 
because it's he's, cheeky merriness. It's not just subversive. He's making fun of subversiveness with more subversiveness. Mm-hmm. And he's he he it's all a big joke to him and he's kind of making fun. It's not that he's a big downer. He's actually being I think kind of real. Yeah. But it's like it's cheeky and fun in the way that the B52s are cheeky and fun. But he's just doing it in this really um, you know, emo goth kid way. Before emo goth kid was a thing, I could see that. I could see that because yeah, it, it, I can almost feel the B52 influence almost. Because it's like imagine if you're just kind of dancing along to the song as people can see us do on Facebook yeah. Live. So it's it's just like a little bouncy little. It's I mean if you're not listening to the words, mm-hmm. it's a bouncy happy little song. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I often think about these 80s bands. You know where this because the thing that the 80s mu- that 80s music does better than any other genre. It is stuck in 80s. You hear an 80s song and you're like, yep, 80s. 80s. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, you think about the 60s, 70s. Well, maybe maybe like the 60s is kind of uh, hippy-dippy almost. And but- sometimes there'll be like a callback. Like right now, I think a lot of music sounds kind of 70s. Oh, you know, you I know, see that a lot, a lot of, like- of the singer-songwriters sound like, oh, that sounds really, that's, you know, I think there was one on like the Time Life disc advertised on TV that was like, the golden dreams of the 70s. It's like that kind of vibe, right? It's that. But, you know, the 80s has had, had some kind of interesting things, right? Because we had that, like, 80s pop that everybody was weirdly enthusiastic for no discernible reason. So into, yes. And everybody had, like, the popped collar and, like, thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you excited about? <laughs> but then we had 80s new wave, which mm-hmm. is which is where this fell in. Mm-hmm. And we, we caught a lot of other interesting stuff there and a lot of, I mean, the fact that, Neo has moved to the Debonair Social Club, but still has like Neo Night. Ooh, wow. You, I love the fact that you brought up Neo. Oh, man. Were you a frequenter of Neo? Oh, for sure. Okay, so for people who are listening to this podcast who might not live in Chicago, Neo was this uh, it basically, well, here it is. You walk down an alley and you get to a bar, and the bar yeah. is full of the most interesting, eclectic people you'll ever see, known for its amazing music, yeah. but known for its darkness and kind of dinginess and kind of secretiveness, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, is you, that you, put it? you walk down an alley. <laughs> to get sure. into it behind an Urban Outfitters, I mean, like that's yeah. What was going I mean, it really I... looks like I, um, this is a bad idea. I shouldn't be doing this, but no, I went. I went to Neil for years. I went to Neil up until it closed. I was there wow. that last week that it closed. I went for one last spin there. Oh my! Um, gosh. So I was really excited to see that it came back, and it's at the Debonair Social Club, which is convenient for me because that's closer to my home oh, that than works. Lincoln Park. So that works out. Yeah, Chicago staple for sure. It's oh. been around for years. Did they put out the documentary? Didn't they have a Neo doc that was going to come out for a, for a oh, while? Oh, I don't know. I hope so. I, <laughs> I hope so. But I I made a point um, when I turned 40, mm-hmm. I made a point to be on the dance floor at, at Devonair Social Club. <laughs> um, I learned later that the DJ was tipped on my behalf so that right at midnight a Smith song would be on. Oh, okay. That's that's pretty badass. So the that's minute awesome. I went from 39 to 40, there mm-hmm. I was on the dance floor and, uh, you know, I paid for that later, but that's fine. In the moment, it was all good. <laughs> and it was like, there, I'm, I'm stepping into my 40s with the Smith song, which felt appropriate because... Mm-hmm. It had carried me from teens to 20s and 20s yeah. to 30s. And now, sure, take me into my 40s, Morrissey. Let's do this. That's. Uh, do you remember what song it was? It was Big Mouth Strikes Again. Okay, okay. That's oh, another classic. So it was Mr. Frankly Mr. Shankly? It was not Frankly Mr. Shankly. <laughs> How about our next song? I Know It's Over, almost like when you were 39 going into 40. Goodbye, 30s. Into this. <laughs> you know, it's so it's interesting when I listen to the Smiths because he... Ha- 
I mean, Morrissey, he's his a voice is undeniable. It's I mean, so if this good. were 1955, he mm-hmm. would be super closeted, but he would also be, I mean, he'd be that crooner in a white jacket with the microphone leaning over it. You know, he would, abso- yeah. that's absolutely his voice. I love this song. I think it's a beautiful song. This is like the rainy day, just like puttering around the house song. Yes. It's so beautiful. And it's all like the, the old shoe bop kind of Beatles. Yeah, it's uh, got so much of driving that. beats and so much of his look has had that right. He's mm-hmm. always ha- kind of had this um, homage to the fifties uh, kind of the look. pompadour hair. Yeah. I was actually going to do my hair in Morrissey style <laughs> for today, but I but I couldn't uh, no, couldn't get the right pomade. What's in- it was interesting is when you go to see him live, there are a lot of men that commit to that hairstyle. Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen it. I, I and give them credit too because oh, they've probably been waiting to in. bust out that haircut and for like, sure. the big collars that yeah. Morrissey wears. I, I think the two times that I, it was so noticeable, like wow, I am the only person standing completely surrounded by Morrissey hairdos was um, I'm gonna I'm not gonna get the name of the theater I want to call it the Murad but I think it's a band-aid there's a theater in um, in Indianapolis it's this old beautiful old movie house that's something that's now in this kind of cool artsy area okay um, I saw him there and I looked up and I was like there are so many men with Morrissey hairdos around me right now and but one of the coolest shows I, I ever saw was um, I had front row center um, at the Ryman Auditorium to see him. Wow. Which was really cool. It, which is in Nashville, right? Yeah, which yeah. is in Nashville. And you're sitting there going, a lot of people, like Johnny Cash has been on the stage, Elvis has been on the stage, Patsy mm-hmm. Cline, like all these greats have been on the stage. Yes. And there he was. But suddenly the uh, the Pompadour Herdos were trying to push me out of the way and I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> this is, I am seeing him front row center. I, well, I had never done that. I had never really had like a really good seat. Yeah. But not as much Morrissey demand in Nashville as it turns out. So that was not hmm. too hard to get. Interesting. Uh, so I went there, uh, you know, for the weekend and I uh, saw him and that was completely cool. Um, is there a, is there a memory that you shared one time? Because uh, you know you've you've spoken about your love for Morrissey on WG numerous Radio times. numerous <laughs> times. This is how I found out about it. You kicked somebody in the head, or, or that was that, else that show. You? It was that yeah, it was that show at the Ryman. Um, this guy was being really aggressive mm-hmm. and and to the point that he was injuring me. Wow! And he was just being so aggressive, and he hit me really hard in the ribs. And as uh, regular listeners will know, I do Krav Maga. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a particularly aggressive Israeli martial art. And uh, I'm just like, I'm not having that. And yeah. if I tell you to move one more time, it's going to get ugly. And so he just kind of, he tried to dive over me, which is, I'm 5'10". What are you doing? What's your plan, bro? That's not, I'm not 5'2". No. What yeah. are you going to do? So he just sort of, from the ground, standing near me, just <laughs> like took a flying leap trying to go over me to get to Morrissey and I just grabbed him and I was like get down but I I I punched at him Mm -hmm. and I grabbed not his crotchal region but below on his leg and just sort of set him back down and (laughs) let him know what he was doing was not appropriate but I, I got understand. him like kind of collarbone is where I punched him. And what did he do after that? He did, he must have stopped. He didn't know who he was messing with. Yeah, he just moment. realized, you know, I'm not going to. Why yeah. did I try to jump over a woman taller than me? What am I doing? What, what was the end game to in his head? He's going right. to he's gonna reach Morrissey. They're going to become friends. He's right. going to give him a high five from the stage. Right. Pull What's him up. Maybe plan? he's going to sing a song with him. Oh, no, I did high five actually. Morrissey during that. Oh, you did? During that one, which was really exciting. And uh, 
uh, the person I was with at that show took a picture of me oh, a second my. later. That's but it, so cool. I'm in good focus, and Morrissey is sort of in the background, so it looks like he's just photobombing me, which is kind of <laughs> great. He owes me that picture. Yeah, he, he definitely does. And that's cool because he has such folklore that people almost see him as a myth. And that's the, the beauty of him, actually. Because yeah, I, yeah, people talk about him, and, and some of it's scoffingly, right? Like at, at um, in the last couple of years, when he has made it to Chicago, if he plays any live festivals, he, yeah. you know, he has made um, some demands about meat being in the area and things Famously, like that. Uh, Famously, yeah. at Riot Fest, he told Riot the entire Fest, yeah. Riot Fest yeah. to not sell meat right. or else he wouldn't play. He wouldn't go. So for two hours when he was on stage, all of Riot Fest I stopped can't selling meat. I can't believe they complied with it. I really can't. I mean, let me say this. Um, so when when people find out that I'm a Smiths fan, people mm-hmm. they go, oh, you must be vegan. Mm-hmm. Are you going to push a thing? Oh, I'm yeah. not. I'm not vegan. What's I'm, your agenda? I'm, all right, yeah, tell me how much Clearly, you must you be aligned with him. Yeah. I'm not a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. I'm not a vegan at all. And everybody can eat whatever the hell they want, as far as I'm concerned. I really don't care what this anybody This is going to sound crazy, Amy, but I did think you were a vegan or no, a vegetarian. No, I'm now. not. I'm not. I know. They hear yoga teacher and Smith's fan. They're like, oh, she must be a vegan. No. You, there's so many boxes that are checked, and yeah. then it's just like, oh, okay. I defy the stereotypes, Look Michael at that. Heidemann. That's what I do. See, so, that's why, that's why you, you, you're the outlier Smith <laughs> I'm the outlier. Almost. So, so I, although I will say this, I have been um, at a show when a couple of times when he's played uh when he plays meet is murder mm-hmm. he does show really graphic That's right. stuff um from slaughterhouses and from factory farms which i admit is not good we need to fix that <laughs> mm-hmm. admittedly like mm-hmm. we uh, any anything we're doing to hurt each other or creatures is not good and we should fix that i'm not uh, I'm not a vegetarian or vegan. I tried it. It wasn't mm-hmm. for me. I didn't feel my best that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I'll revisit that one day. Maybe not. I get too sleepy when I don't eat meat. Like it's, I need I'm to too, have that yeah, protein and I, get a little yeah. kick in my step. So, I mean, I just feel like, you know what? People get really emotional about food. <laughs> I mean, one, like I had a, a, like a nutritionist or dietitian on the air a few weeks ago and people mm-hmm. called me and they're like, don't tell me what to eat. I was like, I literally did not. She just said... <laughs> Try to do this. That's all that happened. But people get really defensive about their food. So I'm like, I actually don't care what anyone eats. But I will hand it to Morrissey. He, you know, if you are going to commit yourself to a cause and believe Mm -hmm. in it, go all in. Mm -hmm. And he does believe that uh, in being, you know, vegan and and not consuming animal products. And so he does use his platform. Mm -hmm. And and I I admit, even as a non-vegetarian, to watch his... To watch the videos that he's playing when he plays Meet His Murder, you're like, you know what? I I see what he's doing. You yeah. know, fair enough. Uh, that this as a collective, we need to fix that. Yeah, it's not being done well. You know, and I think that he probably comes from a good place. I I think that if we sat down with like Morrissey's best friend, like Bernie or something like that, I'm sure that <laughs> I'm sure that he's like, listen, guys, he's not really that much of a dick. He kind of just does this in in his own in his own world. When he gets on stage, he's one person, and when he gets back home, he we drink tea. He's and he cool. Crumpets. Who knows? Who knows? I actually, you know, what? now that I now that I'm saying it, I doubt that. Yeah, I doubt that too. I mean, here's the thing: <laughs> I think, doesn't have a friend. I Bernie. think at some point, if you're that famous. Mm-hmm. You have the luxury of surrounding yourself with people oh. that only agree with you, mm-hmm. you know, and so you don't get people going, you're full <laughs> of it right now. Or like, that's a very unreasonable demand. Or, hey, yeah. man, not all of your fans are vegan. Yeah. Don't believe it or not. Yeah. Maybe just do you. I mean, it'd be one thing I could see if he went on stage at Riot Fest and said, hey, 
um, I asked this and yeah. I her or say like, hey, I appreciate any vendor who has meat free options today. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like if you want to make change, whatever it is, encourage the good. Don't condemn the bad because that only makes people dig in more mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. you walk around judging them for stuff that they do. Because huh. people have their reasons. So I think change is change is done in a different way. He has a different community organizer approach than I do. But uh, nonetheless, that's yeah. That's yeah, his thing. Maybe uh, maybe with his tickets, he can give out like free coupons for Impossible Burgers or something Yeah, like, like do that. something useful with it. If you want, <laughs> instead of saying like, stop doing that, just uh-huh. be like, here's an alternative that is delicious. And then I'd be like, oh, word. You know what? Okay. It's, it's funny because in the world that we live in now, it's almost like he uses his role as like the evil meat, <laughs> you know, shunning people. He's for a little judgmental. Meat. And then that's that's probably gets his fan base even more fired up and loves him even more. Well, here's so. the thing. I don't, I'm not sure that I know a vegan Morrissey fan. Oh, interesting. That's the thing. Wow. And so I think just we're all like, yeah, sure, man, whatever you <laughs> do. But like, none of us are. It's like, I'm hungry, man. <laughs> this, quick, he's not looking. Eat your sandwich. So I think this next song is actually about um, eating a burger. It's called Never Had No One Ever. Uh, let's hear it real quick from The Smiths. When you walk without It's so and interesting to hear another yeah. like crooning, beautiful right from the get go. It's it's like he was born with the heart of Sinatra, but like the <laughs> lyrical mind of let's say like a John Lennon or I know he doesn't like being referred to. No, he's to way it. more emo than that. Yeah, well, I'm thinking as, as, as like the political stance. Oh of, like, yeah, John yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he he wants to make change, and mm-hmm. I, he, it, no matter what the changes you want to make in the world, I just do it. Yeah, commit to it. Admit to it. Um, Good point. You know, I'm. I have griped many times in the air about slacktivism of mm-hmm. people just going like, "I posted a Facebook status update. I spoke out." I'm like, well, you did nothing actually. Yeah, that's so what less ha- than nothing. Yeah, actually. like okay, well, you had a petition and uh, however many people signed it. What are you going to do? Who are you going to give it to? What are you going to do next? Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, even though I don't agree with Morrissey, and it's increasingly difficult to maintain fanship because of he keeps saying horrible things. Nonetheless. Um, you know, I, I guess I commend him for like his he's been committed to animal rights for a long time. And he's that's been one unwavering thing about him. Mm-hmm. Now, the recent addition of like racism and all that. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. I mean, like he said, anti-Semitic stuff that I'm like, bro, I've been with you a long time. Why are you after oh, really? me and my people? Yeah. Like, See, I haven't I haven't been keeping up with him. I kind of oh, fell off the tracks. He's after- exhausting. <laughs> He's exhausting to keep up with. He canceled his Lyric Opera House yeah. show, which is a venue here in yeah. Chicago. And then I kind of was like, "All right, Morrissey, I'm a, I got to put You're you breaking in up with him." Yeah, bit. I mean, I've I've I started to write a piece called "I'm Breaking Up with Morrissey, but Keeping His Love Letters," <laughs> kind of for that thing. <laughs> That's awesome. I was gonna kind of write a thing about like, I don't think we. We owe people devoted fanship for a long time. So mm-hmm. that's why, you know, this is this is an old album and like I said at the top, I'm I can look back on it like these are these are songs that meant something to me at some point in my life, even yeah. though right now I think he's a complete problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost yeah, you you're you're separating yourself from like the man and the and the music or I guess. Yeah, which bit. is uh, which is I think an increasingly difficult philosophical conversation, right? When Especially we're looking at in today's world, like you're looking at things with I mean, with Michael Jackson, it's hard to even bring up the fact that you like the song Beat It when people right. are like, No, Michael Jackson, he did you hear about all these things this that he did? Thing, this 
you're like, yeah. oh no, I just am I still allowed to like the song or to, I can't like the song right. anymore? And you, it, it kind of like twists and turns your mind because you're like, what do I even think anymore about myself, my morals, yeah. my ethics? I mean, I think it's really it opens a bigger conversation about art v the artist. Yeah, you know, it, it's hard to say. Well, I can like your art and think you're a problem. That's hard. I that feels not very authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, I only will listen to and watch artists that I agree with also feels a little limiting because mm-hmm. you're saying I'm intentionally putting myself in the greatest art bubble ever. Yeah. You know, Good I point. mean, I think it's tricky. And I was having this conversation with somebody who um, teaches at the college level and was talking about trigger warnings. And he had an interesting point. He was like, I agree you should protect yourself, but mm-hmm. also you go to college to learn how to think critically. Mm-hmm. And it's important to see a variety of things and interact with people you don't necessarily agree with, which I thought was an interesting point. Way tangenty for this album, but nonetheless. <laughs> no, it's, you're, you're spot on because um, we, that's what Morrissey does. And, and actually, it's, it's He's a provocateur. He's a provocateur. Or and, and ringleader of the tormentors, one might say, from a future album. <laughs> we're, we're reduced to puns of Morrissey albums. This, now is why, this is why I'm so glad that I had you on this episode because I've wanted to dive into a Morrissey album for years because I, I honestly never have stepped foot into a full Morrissey album and gotten yeah. all the way through. Yeah. So this is the first time I'm really taking it on. And it's interesting to see it because, um, you know, not really being the ultimate Morrissey fan it's interesting to see why people like gravitate into him so much yeah. and um, what do they say about art like we were talking about him being a provocateur uh, the, the fact that art isn't art unless it makes you feel something so when That's you right. see like a painting of just blue it's like if it doesn't make you feel anything then screw it it's just a it painting of blue but yeah. if somebody's if it does, into it you know that conversation arose when David Bowie died mm. because the first thing I saw that day I looked at my phone and I saw Twitter and the first tweet said you know unless you knew Bowie personally you don't have the right to grieve and I was like whoa and I'm a big Bowie fan so hmm. I was like hold up what happened to David Bowie and I look and realize that he had died and I cried real tears over David Bowie for sure I wow. did I really did um, Leonard Cohen too I like sat down and listened and I was just like oh brutal that's yeah. so brutal to me but you know the thing about that is that I disagree with that point because in that you know in that song that that came out right there at the end of his life right mm-hmm. on on um, that song Lazarus yeah, it yeah, was yeah, so yeah. beautiful, and you can see that as an artist coming to terms with his own mortality through the course of making that song. Mm-hmm. And so, if you do your art right, you're reaching people emotionally. So, a little piece of you, a piece of your emotional makeup, has reached me. So, of course, I have the right to grieve for that. I don't mm-hmm. have the right to grieve like I was your spouse. No, Certainly, that's no. different. That's yeah. that's a different thing. But I can grieve for the art that now has a finite end. Yeah. That there will never be more. I mean, I was thinking about this just the other day about Anthony Bourdain. Like, mm-hmm. what a shame that, that his work is at a finite end now. Right. It's and there'll done. never be any more. There'll never be any more. And I think that's kind of, um, you know, that's where I was with Bowie. Which is all to say, you know, I the part of me that's most connected to the Smiths is mm-hmm. the part of me that recognized... I am a young woman in North Central Texas that does not match here, and I mm-hmm. don't feel like I belong, and mm-hmm. I know that I'm weird. Mm-hmm. And here's a guy that knows he's weird and doesn't belong either. Mm-hmm. So he kind of gave me permission to be a weirdo when I really needed that permission because I was surrounded by a, a lot of great people, totally cool people, but like a lot of there was a, just there was an expectation of what your life was supposed to look like mm-hmm. in that 
town and I didn't, I wasn't feeling it. Yeah. And yeah. here was someone who was like, it's okay to be disgruntled and it's yeah. okay to be, to want something else and want to leave it. 1986 Texas, I'm guessing was not the same as Texas today, like a little bit more progressive or even in that time, I'm sure it was a lot of, uh, I'm going to take a long shot here. Go for a it. A lot of football. Still is. A lot of farming. Still is. And a lot of closed mindedness. And I mean, yeah, I mean, that's everywhere, mm -hmm. right? You can find that everywhere. But like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like um, blonde, blue eyed and you you root for college football yeah. and you live on the block down from your parents and you do this. And I'm just like, not that person, you know, <laughs> and like, you know, I was uh, my dad worked at a country club. So mm -hmm. I was around a lot of country club people okay. and some are perfectly cool. Some are perfectly not cool. And I just was like, this is not my world. Yeah. And I saw, I felt what I felt was like a lot of hypocrisy. Um, there's a lot of aggressive religious evangelizing that was not oh, yeah. up my yeah. alley yeah. per se. Um, so I just felt like uh, a lot of ways an outsider. And I, I think most teenagers and young people do. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you shake that well into your forties because I sure haven't, but um, <laughs> nonetheless, you know, I think I, I, recognize that feeling in Morrissey and in his lyrics. And I thought like this, okay, somewhere on the other side of the world, I have a buddy yeah. who gets me and yeah. also feels like an outsider in his own home. Right, up, right across the pond. Who would have thought, right? That's right. Right there in Manchester. <laughs> Let's listen to the next song off the album, Cemetery Gates. Ooh. This has a little bit of a... Uh, Last with the, the bass right from the start. The Sundays. Do you oh. remember the Sundays? That same guitar kind of rhythm guitar feel is the Sundays. Yeah, like the the heavy, quick, um, like halftime acoustic guitar yeah. picking. I love his song. This is a, I have like a playlist that's just like a cheer up dummy kind of playlist, and this is on it because it's fun and silly. I mean, it's about a cemetery, but who cares? It is. It meets you on a Sunday and it's on the cemetery gates, and and this song has been covered a lot. I was gonna say, I'm like, yeah. why have I heard this song before so many times? Yeah. And passions just like mine They were born and then they lived and then they died Man, he has so much great breath behind his voice. Like, he, there's, yeah. you listen to some artists and you're thinking, all right, I can understand why you became famous. There's all the stories behind you. I'm, I'm going to make some people pissed off right now, but Bob Dylan, his voice obviously was kind of uh, not as good as most. It gets as most. mimicked for it a reason. It gets mimicked for a reason. Yeah. And, but you're listening to Morrissey. There's nothing else he could have done besides be a singer. This voice is awesome. I mean... I suppose there's an animal rights activist career in there for him. Uh, <laughs> he maybe been hairstyling. A great yeah, he <laughs> yeah. would have been an amazing, yeah. amazing animal but, rights activist. But you know, he he that. and he and Johnny Marr made a very specific sound mm -hmm. that was, you know, very it's very recognizable. It's very beautiful. His lyrics are are a little bit gutting sometimes. There's a there's a song later on this album that is some of my favorite lyrics. But yeah. um, you know, this one he's talking about a lot of things. There's a lot of themes in this particular song, but he's, you know, he's talking about looking at these graves and they loves and hates and passions just like mine they were born they lived and then they died mm -hmm. it's it's kind of this death is the great equalizer of like well and how old was he do you think when he when he wrote this album because he must have been uh, in his do early 20s so he was born in 77 so he was he was not born in 77 oh i'm sorry active more, yeah i was, was like wait a minute 59 <laughs> morrissey or not and i are not peers 
<laughs> Born in 59, so he was 60, 80, so he's like 26. Yeah, about right. Ish. Okay. Yeah. So, n- not the oldest guy, but like seemed to have lived a-, a few lifetimes during this album, like with these lyrics. I it's mean, like, I think Early Smith was a wild ride for him. And, oh my gosh. And Johnny Marr, too. Yeah, so Johnny Marr and him met on like a chance meeting I heard where they just met each other and then one day Johnny Marr came to his door and knocked on it and said, hey, do you want to start a band together? That's the story I've always heard too. Yeah. I, I mean, be- and I kind of love that. <laughs> I don't want to know anything else besides it. Maybe they got mad over a hamburger one day or like a sandwich, but... And they were like, we got to never eat this we- again. <laughs> and write songs about it. Uh, quick uh, heads up about Johnny Marr. Let's dive into some of the band members of, yeah. of, of Morrissey. Uh, Johnny Marr actually gave him the n- lovingly nicknamed Maz. Yeah, yeah. And I, I found this out today. So, um, and actually, after he got the Maz nickname, he never wanted to go by Steven ever again. That's right. That's what I hated heard the too. name yeah. Steven. Um, back in, in 1984, Marr would dub Morrissey Misery Mazery. <laughs> I could see that. Uh, Morrissey, he loves his soap operas, believe it or not. He's quite dramatic. Did you, could you get that about him and being a I little totally dramatic? I could totally see that. I could totally see that. Yeah, he, uh, he, he might be vocal about his disdain for his home of Manchester, but he adores the cobbled streets of Coronation Street. So much so that he asked if he could write for Corey, I'm guessing is an uh, English soap opera. I've never heard of it. I'm more Did of they a, let him do it? Um, according to this, he's know. appeared in Brookside and turned down appearances on two other soap operas. So, yeah, he's done that. quite the amazing work. <laughs> what a weird stuff. guy, right? That's the thing. He's weird, but he's okay with his weird. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, look, I have real high anxiety. I get kind of depressed. I don't match here. I got to leave. And you know what? I could get behind that as a young woman in North Central <laughs> Texas. Now, as for Johnny Marr, I will say, speaking of that, like, Get Psyched playlist, mm-hmm. Get Happy playlist. Um, I've got a couple Johnny Marr songs on there. Really? Easy, Easy Money is one of them. Okay. That's just such a, like, driving drum. But you hear so much Smiths in there. So much that you're like, holy moly, the the Marr influence on this band yeah. should never be underestimated. Morrissey gets a lot of glory, mm-hmm. but let us never forget about Johnny Marr. Oh my god, no way. He was like the backbone of the entire group without it. It was like every great band has those two songwriters in, in, in the back of it, no matter what you think. In fact, recently I did a podcast with Elton Jim Toronto, yeah, uh, I saw and we that. dove into uh, Elton John's album. Believe it or not, I didn't know that he had a songwriting partner, and I feel like a total just rookie when it comes to that. But him and his songwriting partner were wrote some of the greatest songs of all time. I mean, obviously, Lennon and McCartney, uh, Morrissey and Marr. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the, any band you could think of has at least two people in it that are that are writing together. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that has to I, has to do with um, there's a, a cool whiteboard video based on Stephen Johnson's book about where ideas come from, mm-hmm. and he talks about how throughout the ages, ideas have never they're never in a void. Even like Tim Berners Lee, who is the father of the internet as we know it, Mm -hmm. he kind of had this idea for something he wanted to make to organize himself and his own stuff. And it wasn't until his idea collided with another that it became what it, like the beginning of what it is now. Really? And so all, that's why like the, the salons of back of the, you know, Paris in the twenties and things like that. And even, even prior to that, like the idea of thinkers going to run ideas into one another Mm -hmm. was so popular because 
that's how we gathered information. That's, I think, the beauty of social media now is that you can get an idea off 140 characters. Yeah. You can also get them to ruin your life and destroy your bank account and like all kind of horrible things. That too. But te- technology certainly has a downside. But I think when two good collaborators, when their ideas collide, absolute magic happens. And I mm-hmm. think that's what happened here with the Smiths. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's so beautiful and it's so true because it, it does take two to tango. And let's get into the next song. Big Mouth Strikes Again. Could you imagine being in a club in England when they were first starting out and hearing, like, the inceptions of these songs and just getting to dance and drink with your beer and, like, you know, all your friends are around and just having a great time listening to the early Smiths? I love this song. I, for... A long time, I had a blog called Big Mouth Indeed Strikes Again, and every <laughs> blog post, it wasn't about the Smiths, but every blog post was a the, a Smiths lyric or a song title. Really? Because there's one for every situation in life. Mm-hmm. There is a Simpsons quote or a Smiths lyric for every situation <laughs> that you could possibly need in life, and I proved that, and for years wrote this blog, and then I eventually like migrated it into amygoods.com, which later became hacked by men's rights activists, but that's neither here nor there. Wait, what? (laughs) AmyCoop.com was hacked? Oh, yeah, last summer it got destroyed. No way. Yeah, it did. It did. So that's a problem I'm going to have to fix at some point. But back to this song. Well, Big Mouth will have to strike again. Oh, Big Mouth going to strike. (laughs) With fierce, fierce anger. Um, This is just such a fun (laughs) song. I don't know any other song that sounds like this song. Yeah. I love this song. It always makes me want to dance. It always, it's just fun. It's, you know, as I said, like, I rang in my 40s here, yeah. you know, with these songs. Um, it's just a fun song. It's, I just love everything about this song. It's fun. It's cheeky. It's ridiculous. There's a Joan of Arc reference. <laughs> There's all kind of good stuff. But yet it has this idea. It's kind of a little bit of, um, it has a little bit of um, self-effacing, like, oh, I've done it again. Mm-hmm. It has a little bit of this, like, mm, I feel out of place and weird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's very hyper self-aware to the point of being, like, awkwardly self-conscious. Mm-hmm. But yet you hear it and you just want to wiggle and dance. And it's so fun, as the people on Facebook Live can see me do. Because <laughs> um, it's, it's so fun and, and it's a great song. Yep. Uh, oh, yeah. 10,000 people are watching now. So, yeah. that's They a, just saw me do my they little... They just saw you do your dance. <laughs> and this drum part is so good. I love it. And you can hear Mar killing it right there on the guitar. You know what I love about it, uh, and I love about the Smiths, it's they they have so much energy in their songs. Yeah. Like as a songwriter myself, and I play guitar around the city. And yeah, everything, you do. Yeah, but but there's times when I want to relax and just sure. and just play. But you can tell that they're having a great time recording these songs. I mean, the way that they, yeah. it's it, a lot of bands copy this kind of just this the acoustic guitar never stops. And uh, lucky enough for bands today, they can loop it over and over yeah. again. But this is just an energetic song, and you can tell that these people were behind their songs. It's almost like it was it's kind of disconnected from Johnny Marr's guitar playing to Morrissey writing alone in his room of these sad like lyrics <laughs> and then putting them over these happy guitar parts. Yeah. And and also a very short song too. A lot of it's short, a short song. songs. Yeah, yeah. It's a great song. I love this song. In fact, I've even said like if I had at bat music, I want it to be <laughs> Big Mouth Strikes. I mean, that beginning. Yeah. Like, it's right away. It's just like energetic. I mean, it's like it's like horse hooves right mm-hmm. away. It's just like out of the gate. Boom, go. Um, 
I don't know, play to my funeral or something. I don't know. Like, that's the Guth song. I love that (laughs) metaphor, the the Guth song. I've I've always loved that song. Have you ever thought about getting any, I know you have some tattoos. You ever have thought about getting any Morrissey Smith related tattoos? Not until right now. (laughs) But see, that again speaks to that problem of like, right now, I think he's problematic as an artist, but Mm -hmm. I can honor my younger self and say this. This is an album that's carried me through a lot of my life and mm-hmm. have been a soundtrack to a lot of major things in my life. Mm-hmm. So I can honor that, but also think he's being an idiot right now. <laughs> um, and, and that's so now I'm kind of glad. I mean, I know somebody who got um, remember the the Pearl Jam thing with like the stick figure with the big hands. out. Yes. Who got yes. that like huge on her back in 1993. Oof. She regrets that all. But now after Vitology, she was like, well, that's not the right move I should have made, right? So I don't know. I think that's kind of, that's tricky. Yeah. I'll stick with my flowers and typewriters. Tattoos. Okay. Yeah. Those, well, because those are, those are They're timeless. timeless. Yeah. They're timeless. They, they, they can't cancel a show on you. They can't say racist things and no, they can't, they can't. cancel a show on you and do horrible things <laughs> and make racist. it difficult to be your fan. That damn racist typewriter. It's out to get me again. Uh, so I was, I kind of mentioned that because the boy with the, the thorn in his side, our next song is uh, kind of was the, my step into the Smiths. Oh, interesting. Um, this is the first song that I ever heard from them. And let's take a listen right now and the reason i heard the boy with his thorn in his side loved it from the get-go like this is one of those songs that you just love from the very first chord that's played right into this so sad so sappy and it was just for a 16 year old michael i loved every single bit of this song yeah and the person who showed me it pete wentz from fallout boy he was really he showed you this he well he what? showcased this. Oh, I was like, for wait, me. what? You and Pete Wentz are hanging out now? Like, buried the lead in the show. <laughs> the other day, yeah, the other day when Pete Wentz and I were hanging out at Ashley Simpson's uh, birthday party. As you do. Oh, well, I was a big Fall Out Boy fan, and I did. I they, they were kind of my Smiths at the time. And he wrote a he wrote a book about the boy with the thorn inside. It was a children's book that he wrote. Oh, really? And he had a giant tattoo of the boy with the thorn inside wow. on his body. So this was kind of my like. Oh, the Smiths are a cool band. We're watching a music video right now of Morrissey dancing, by the way. And it's spectacular. It is amazing. Man, he just he the way he moves is so flawless. He's almost like he's he he's a he's little just, Bowie-esque, to he's, be honest. Totally. He's got a little of the Bowie in him. But he's just sort of he's just like I'm not going to put on airs. Mm -hmm. I'm bummed out right now or I'm full of anxiety or I'm not going to tell you my childhood was perfect. I'm just going to go with it. Yeah, I'm just going to go with it. Although he takes a lot of grief for being a downer. I don't, I've never thought he's a downer. I think he's very real. I love real talk. I don't like, how's the weather? Like goofy small talk. Just say like, you know what? I'm having a terrible day and I would like you to listen. Great. I will listen to you Mm -hmm. Mm because we're human beings and we're all in this together. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that he's just going to show up and just like, you know what? I'm just going to wiggle across this stage as we see in this video right now. As he has bad written on his neck. As he does. He, yeah. What what an awesome dude. Now, now he changes shirts a lot in live shows. Really? He'll change four or five shirts because he sweats so much. He'll change shirts constantly in a live show. He has a great collection of shirts. His fashion has, has been just pretty much solid yeah. throughout his entire career. I mean, Spanish, his stylist is good. Uh, Spanish since the 1980s, yeah. like now over 30 years of just great music. 
Yeah. It'd be awesome to see where he He also does to. a cool thing on stage. Like, he used to just kind of sway and slither more, mm-hmm. and now he has a little more, like, command on stage. Mm. It's been interesting to watch his live performances evolve with him. So now he he do, he kind of hates mic cords. Oh, and so he really? tend, But he tends to... But he won't use a wireless mic, so he tends to just get them and, like, whip them around a little uh, bit that, to get I've them out of that. his way and just, like... Yeah. I do that when I vacuum, <laughs> and I feel like a rock star for a minute. That's it. Well, you have a cord on your vacuum? It's 2019, Amy. I know. It's old. It's fine. <laughs> One of my favorite songs, The Boy with the Thorn in the Side, it's a great song. so much. Um, yeah, it's... It, what an what an amazing amazing artist! Uh, oh, there was something I was going to mention. We were yeah. talking about Bowie. Yeah. Um. So Bowie and Morrissey actually went on tour, and I was reading about this a little bit earlier. And Morrissey took himself off the tour because he felt that Bowie was trying to uh, upstage him every single night. Well, he probably was Morrissey. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's let that be a thing. David Bowie. There's some people you can't. I mean, Morrissey's what his a own diva. person. See what I'm saying? It's so hard to be a Morrissey fan. You make it in, but why do you make it so hard for me to love you? Could you imagine going to that show though? Morrissey opening up for David Bowie. Holy smokes! Oh God! Were you at that show? No, oh. but I would just like, I would have just wept through that whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy in my life. What do I do now? Like at that point, you're like, someone's now going to hire me to write for The Simpsons. <laughs> And I get a pony, yeah. and you can kill me tomorrow because I've done it all. I'm Life good. is good. Uh, how do I say this? Is it Vicar, Vicar in a Tutu? Vicar in a Tutu. All right, let's take a Another little. Yeah. This kind of has a little rockabilly kind of feel in the percussion that I like. Yeah. But then it's got this good thing coming up. That, I mean, it's, that feels like not country, but the Western, mm-hmm. like Western swing, rockabilly root to it that yeah, I really enjoy. And it's interesting because they keep the same kind of effects going on the guitar throughout the entire album, but the uh, the cadence and the composure of the song, yeah. uh, composition of the song changes around it, yeah. which makes it uh, smithy and... Smithy. Cohesively <laughs> smithy. <laughs> it's a bit smithy. Um... Maybe there's another fun song. Yeah. Now, if you sit down and like read all the lyrics of this song, not so fun. But it's fun. It's, you know, dancey. It makes you want to just wiggle a little bit. It's a fun little song. It And Vicar and the two, so that's, um, that's, the Vicar is a certain status you get. Like as, yeah. A, okay. It's and an official Little tongue in cheek kind of song about the Vickers. I yeah. I mean, it's again, his, he's all about the. I haven't really looked into this song too much Subversiveness. Yet. <laughs> I like it. I like the songs when they take a little bit um, more tongue-in-cheek playing because it reminds me of the Beatles when they would do like uh, Mean Mr. Mustard or, you know, uh, Octopus's Garden, kind of sillier songs, Yellow Submarine. That's kind of interesting because I've criticized those songs. <laughs> well, no, no, they're, uh, to be honest, those are the songs that I can't stand or like yeah, the, they're just the like, novelty are songs. Are these for children? Yeah. What are they? But I think this to me is, there's a difference between making it jokey to the point of absurdity mm-hmm. where it seems childlike versus maybe you know you can you can get a lot more accomplished with satire yes than and and mocking than you can with which I wish he would take a page from his own playbook when he's talking about like everybody be vegan at my shows right like you can it's like he thinks he can make all the jokes and none of us are part of it it's like that's it, right maybe he's just he just likes orchestrating and having everyone do what he wants them to do like, or maybe he's just like a complicated person mm. full of mystery, which is 
I'm okay with that. Yeah. Oh, that song ended quite abruptly. It's another. Yeah. Yeah. That's another short song. So this next song. Okay. There is a light that never goes out. Do you have a Do you have a story about this song? This is one of the greatest love songs ever written. Take me out tonight. Romantic oh. lyrics. Why is this the greatest love song ever written? Just it's coming. Because I want to feel people in their young life. Like, take me out of here. This is beautiful. It's the chorus that's all the romance. Ooh. It's also a surrender. It's not, I want to go out. It's, take me out of here. I want, I need some affirmation of my life. You know, I the, need human beings around me. Exactly. The more and more I listen to this album, the more and more I see how it can connect with his fans and that why they yeah. get into it so much because he does really speak to you and the life that you're living sometimes. Everyone's been, everyone goes through this kind of stuff. We're just like, I'm just going to surrender to this. Here it goes. Romance. You can barely hear Amy singing on, over this chorus. <laughs> to die by your side, well, the privilege, the, the pleasure, the pleasure, privilege, is the mine. privilege is mine. And then Got the first example there. is he says, um, "It's such a heavenly way to die." beautiful that's beautiful yeah i love that a 26 year old man wrote that those lyrics it's just he's this guy's seen some stuff it's so it's dark but like the depth of his feeling in that is like if listen if some horrible fate Mm -hmm. i mean the whole take the whole song in context i'm surrendering right now just get me out in the world Mm -hmm. and take me out i want affirmation of life i want people and excitement Help me out. I'm surrendering this to you. But also, he's caring so much about this person he's speaking to. He's like, I I just want to be here with you in your car. And if some horrible, disgusting, horrible, hideous fate befalls us, it's my honor. It's it's. It's a privilege to to end it with you. you. Like, that's a beautiful, that's so dark and morbid, but it's real and I love it. I love it. That's one of the most romantic songs ever. I mean, Sleepwalk by Santo and Johnny is a beautiful song. But this, (laughs) poetry. Yes. Wow. You know, this, again, this is why I love doing this podcast, is because I learned so much more about these songs, and I see some, like, like weight behind just lyrics and and melody. And now, like, really diving into those lyrics. That is kind of a a gorgeous thing to say. I'd I'd love for somebody to say that about me. I know. I've said that many times. No one's ever, like, serenaded me with a song. I've said this. (laughs) Opportunities have been, no. Um, But so when I had this Smith's blog or the blog with Smith's titles, Uh um, There is a Light That Never Goes Out was what I always use to write about something like someone passing Mm -hmm. or, you know, some some big thing ending was always what I used to talk about that. Yeah. Well, believe it or not, if Morrissey had his way... This song wasn't even going to make the album, to be honest. That's so crazy to me. Yeah, in his autobiography, The Maz said, I have missed the value of There is a Light That Never Goes Out, and, and I suggested that Johnny that sh- suggested to Johnny Marr that it shouldn't be included on the album. And now he laughs at thinking about that, and he drops the protest because, of course, this is one of the greatest songs on The oh, Queen Is Dead. totally. Such a good song, and so beautiful. 
And to Amy, one of the most beautiful love songs of it's all true. time. And this is a song I rarely listen to one time. I usually will listen to it twice because it's just so pretty. You're like, I don't want that song to end. Yeah. It's so good. It. Well, I got to go back and, and re-listen to that album. Some girls are bigger than others. Amy, believe it or not, this is our last song on this album. Can't wait. Okay, this song has its own special place, too. I've run... Several marathons in my life. Okay. And this is one of my training songs. Mm. I put this song on a loop, and I can just zone. Really? Zone and just run, 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 run. Especially in the morning when you're just like running, 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 running. Yeah. And so the first one, um, I had been injured, and I was coming back from an injury that was... The only reason I was training was because... I had, Well, I hadn't run a marathon yet, but but I got this injury, and a doctor said to me... Hope you weren't planning on running a, a marathon. I was like, well, now I got to, bull. But, you know, it was sometime later, but I, this song just caught me one day. And I, I love to write to this song. I love mm-hmm. to run to this song. This is just this wonderful song that I will just put on a loop and it will be meditative. And, you know, I write, I tend to write with a song on a loop anyway, because it's like a soundtrack to me and I want to capture it. Mm-hmm. But I, I have so many good memories of running... When I first could run, I mean, I really, I kind of had to like learn to do it again after this injury because it was, uh, you know, a car crash and it was a, yeah, a hot serious. mess. Mm-hmm. Um, but so this song to me is like this soundtrack of victory mm-hmm. that was yet to happen. It was like, I know I can get through this. When I started successfully being able to move for a prolonged period of time again, this song was underscoring that. So I have so much love in my heart for this song. Because to me, it's about a victory that I don't have yet. Yeah. But I now believe I can. That I like. I can see it on the horizon. I l- I can totally connect with that, and I love the fact that you said that because I have those songs myself. Like the songs that are like, <laughs> I'm now I'm gonna be make this totally bad. But like I get knocked down by Chumba Wumba. It's a great song. <laughs> who doesn't sing along doesn't to that fine song? But I'm saying, in, in that vein, yeah. I, I like songs by the Struts who are just like, you know, you thought about this about me, well, I'm going to rise to the top. I'm, you know, I'm going to figure out a way to, to find my success. And some girls are bigger than others. I, I love the meaning behind it. It's beautiful. It's a short song, so I usually loop this one. I'll just listen and listen and listen. And it's so beautiful. Yeah, and it's, it's great for running. Great miles, uh, beats per minute, and... And it works for both. Who is this person that I'm looking at on this cover? I have no idea. (laughs) It can work as both like a slow warm-up run, Uh but it can also work when you're just hauling. Yeah. And those like long, long training runs, you can get through some long miles quickly to this because it works for both. I love that you take the Smiths and you equate it to certain moments and and things in your life, even activities Mm -hmm. from running to, you know, celebrating your, your birthday to loved ones. I'm sure that's the you, greatest love song of ever, all time. To running, time. to like a comeback, <laughs> a personal victory, to writing, to there's a lot in this album. Yeah, there and, is a lot. And that's why Yeah. I mean I, I struggle because there's so many Smith songs I love. When we were trying to figure out which album we were gonna do, we were going through the albums and you're like, Well, I love this album, I love this song, yeah. I love this song. And we kind of landed on on The Queen, is, Queen is Dead. Dead because there were the the songs this was more of a soundtrack in my life than mm-hmm. any of the others. And, I, you know, I originally I was like, oh, it's going to be the self-titled album. Yeah. Still Ill is on there. And I love that song, Still Ill. But but as far as collections of songs, Queen is Dead. Queen is Dead. 
That is such a beautiful thing. And, and thank you for taking the time to come on the show and talk about this. We need to quickly go into the story about how you met Morrissey. I totally <laughs> forgot to ask that until the very end. I was like trying to find a moment, but we were having such a great conversation. Yeah. So you met Morrissey. And am I getting this right in a record store? Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, I was in New York at the time. And I saw him. And let me, I always preface this by saying, you know, my dad um, worked in the restaurant hotel restaurant industry in mm-hmm. various ways and so he was always kind of had some strong feelings about famous people mm-hmm. like they nobody gets to clout their way in and say mm-hmm. they had a reservation mm-hmm. and nobody if you're a paying customer you're a paying customer and that's the end of it and and so uh, you know I think that served me well in this field because I'd meet a famous person interview them and it would be okay just what what's your deal like yeah. I'm not going to be starstruck or awestruck by yeah. you but then I met Morrissey. So I'm in this this store. Um, it was a, a record and CD shop, and that should give you the timestamp on it. What's one of those? What are those? What is They're that? Shiny coasters now. <laughs> um, and I saw him in there, and he was looking at Squeeze, uh, a Squeeze CD, uh, the singles 45s and under. It's funny you say that. Squeeze, one of the most recent uh, interviewees on Sound Sessions. You can check out on Sound Sessions. I'm excited for that. Yes. So the first thing in my head right then was, why doesn't Morrissey already have that album? Yeah. Why would you not have Black Coffee in Bed Mm -hmm. and Pulling Muscles from a Shell? Mm -hmm. Why do you not have that album? I was like, this is weird to me. It is weird. So my plan, because I want to be cool about this, is to just kind of like, la la la, look through the bins and work my way towards him. And then I'm just going to like tap the CD and be like, oh yeah, you should get that. You totally should. It's fine. But I begin to do this. And Great open. By the way. As I, like, my finger goes out like E.T. Like, I'm just going to tap. Like, yeah. look, like, oh, you should get that. Oh, yeah. hey, look, you're Morrissey. We should, <laughs> we're best friends now. That's my super good plan. Uh-huh. But I just, like, as I'm, like, an inch from tapping the CD, I just kind of freeze. And he <laughs> looks at me like, the hell are you doing, weirdo, invading my space? Mm-hmm. And I freeze. And I pull my hand back. And I oh. make a noise. At him, like a pterodactyl. I will back up from the microphone and make the noise I made. I went like, ah! I made that noise at him, which is a terrible thing to do to somebody. I'm sorry to Screaming all of your Screaming at ears. somebody's face? Oh, no, that <laughs> you don't know. Yeah, and then weird. I panicked even more, mm-hmm. and I just like, put my hand out. Like, don't go there. Oh, I don't no. know why I did that. Like In his face? No, just like, Away, like oh, stop. Yeah. Something, you know, I just was like, oh, you know, stop everything that's going on this is terrible and um and so i just kind of panicked and i froze in my mind i ran away like mr burns style with like little t-rex arms because i was terrified but then i ran into there was a little cardboard display and i ran into it and my foot went in it and i fell down wait this is like a episode where everything that could go wrong did go wrong and then i just like ran out of there like (laughs) <laughs> okay, I'm just going to never think about that again. Now, fast forward, probably early 2000s, mm-hmm. I guess, maybe. Yeah, it would have been around the same time that Steve Bartman caught that ball, which was oh. 03. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it was right before that, um, which I always use as like a cultural marker, which is so funny. But um, so it was right around you that time. You always use the Bartman ball as your cultural m- marker? Yes, because I, I took a temporary... Um, job out of town okay three days before that ball got caught oh okay and i watched that um i was only going to be gone a little while Mm -hmm. but i was like oh i should go you know see the hometown team Mm -hmm. and i sat in a bar because i was like oh they got the the game on and Mm -hmm. i quickly realized i was in a marlins bar Mm. but 
I made friends with a couple that I'm still very good friends with because they were the only people wearing Cubs stuff in there that I was like, I get, I'm probably safe down there with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm just, I just moved here from Chicago. <laughs> um, but I was going to be down there for a little bit. And um, so I always use that as a marker because I remember it was around that time. Anyway, um, I was going to interview him. Wow. And I told that story. Oh, you were going to interview Morrissey? Yes. For a magazine I was working with at the time. Wow. And I told that story, and everybody thought it was hilariously funny. But then it got back to my editor, and he pulled the interview. No. And did it himself. Because <laughs> he was what? afraid that I would freak Morrissey out. So to put a whole cap on this. It's not fair. The high five in 2012-ish mm-hmm. in Nashville. Mm-hmm was a really important bookend for me because I felt like I needed to wrap that story up in my head on some level. Yeah. You know, I had to um, somehow, <laughs> I had to somehow like redeem myself to myself about Morrissey. And yeah. that, that's what did it. Oh, I got look, to high five him. We're back on. You, you guys missed a great story. Well, we got it recorded. That's good. <laughs> the Facebook Live people missed a good story, but the recorded people will hear the whole thing in its entirety. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe that editor. I don't want to call him any names because he, maybe he's a nice guy. I don't know how your relationship with him. But that was a totally, oh, he's totally, awesome. total, yeah. total crazy mood to take that interview from you. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I guess in hindsight, it probably wasn't that locked down that he could just be like, <laughs> it was just kind of like, yo, you know, all signs point to you, you're doing this. And yeah. I was like, great. Um, I had I had recently before that, I had um, interviewed Mario Van Peebles about, um, and that's when he did like the remake of his dad's, or not the remake, but kind of the retelling of his dad's um, black exploitation filmmaking career. And so I interviewed him about that. Oh my gosh. And it was supposed to be this like, 10-minute conversation press junket thing, and we sat there for hours over scrambled eggs talking. I, I love that. And it was really fun and really cool. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I've proven I've got this really cool angle. And we ended up having this really deep conversation about race and public narrative and and why are things funny? Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're funny for very tragic reasons. And, mm-hmm. and the example he used was um, that movie Soul Plane. <laughs> and he was yeah, like, it's funny and ridiculous. Yeah, he's yeah. like, it's funny and ridiculous. He goes, but why is it funny? Mm-hmm. He's like, it's funny because the idea of this group of people mm-hmm. running this airline is somehow mind-boggling. Okay. And it was okay. just, I mean, I got chills when he said it. Like, he had all the, he's really smart and had all these great points. Yeah. Anyway, he's not Morrissey. We're off topic. But um, <laughs> Wait, do you still keep in touch with Van Peebles? No, I do not. Oh, okay. I do not. But I had, I mean, I had tapes and tapes and tapes of this interview. And, and when I brought it back, you know, my editor was like, oh, my God. God, you have all this stuff. What are you going to... I mean, I had to cut it. I, I got permission to have a much longer yeah. article than I ended up... Or than I originally thought I would have. But, um, yeah. That's incredible, yeah. Amy. Wow. Okay, so um, back to Morrissey. Back to Morrissey. So, you know, by the way, we need to do like a recap of like another podcast or something like that. Because I feel like we have much more to talk about oh, yeah. regarding Morrissey, your life, everything. And I'm sure like I'll I'll leave here and think of another album that I could mm-hmm. have also talked about mm-hmm. at length. But I think this one is just special because I have loved this. I've loved these songs yes. on this album a long time. You know what? And I think the fans of Amy Guth will like this episode too because they'd like to see a dip into your mind about why you're a Morrissey fan and a Smiths fan. Yeah, because they give me a lot of grief for it. <laughs> and so now maybe they'll get it a little bit. So I had three important questions to okay. finish this off with. Uh, you already answered one of them because I was going to ask you, how many times have you tried to get Morrissey on your show? Zero. 
Zero. I've okay, tried zero you, times. Because you had the one, you wanted to bookend it with the high five, which I totally respect yeah. and agree with. It ended on the high note, and then that's all you want. Because sometimes you, you you try to stretch too far with your heroes. Don't meet your heroes, man. You can't. Don't do it. You really can't. Especially now. Like, now if I had to interview him and have a relevant and topical and newsworthy interview, it would be like, would be so why are you being oh. terrible? Yeah, we have loved that. you for so long. Why are you being so terrible? Why are you making it so hard to love you? Question one, why are you an a-hole? Yeah, question one, <laughs> Mr. Morrissey, sir. Why do you make it impossible to love you? All right, question number two. What is your go-to Smith's karaoke song? <laughs> That's funny that you say that. One time um, I got up with a friend of mine and we were, were like, oh, Smith's songs are so easy. We know them by heart. Let's mm-hmm. do this. And we started trying to sing This Charming Man. Here's the thing. No Smith songs are singable by anybody besides mm-hmm. Morrissey. <laughs> and so we quickly realized this was a terrible idea. Okay. We should have committed to a little more alcohol or something before we tried this. But yeah. we were just like walked into the karaoke bar like, let's sing This Charming Man. This will be fun. And we were like, this is a terribly hard song to sing. So zero. <laughs> Okay, okay, so you don't get that out of, like, the tuner and go, me, 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 me. This charming man. Not even a little bit. So, oh, so geez. far, my answer to both questions are zero. Zero and zero. Okay, I think this is one that you will have an answer for. Uh, so, you're, you're with Morrissey. Now, I'm going to flash you back just a little bit. It's 19, let's say, 1990. Okay. You're you're a, like peak Morrissey Smith's fandom. Yeah, you're still a fan. Morrissey's still a good guy in your heart. Um, he's doing everything right. You're, it's not being w- racist will, and terrible yet. Not racist yet. Not terrible yet. I mean, still it was kind of, in there percolating. Yeah, he just it, hadn't told. It was us bubbling yet. up, but like you know, the steam hadn't risen to the yeah. top. Just and let yet. me set the scene for early '90s Amy Guth. I have knee-high Doc Martens, oh, yes. probably some um, ripped-up fishnets held together by safety pins. Wow, and like a little. Nice. Uh, probably like a little jean skirt mm-hmm. or something like that with what a kind frayed of belt? edge. Lots of them with like okay. a studded belt with Man. some black with some little, you know, silver studded thing on it. And then some kind of like band t-shirt. I had oh, a geez. Smith's t-shirt that was so ripped up from being in mosh pits in the Riot Girl days that I had the top seam along the shoulder was just held together with safety pins. Mm-hmm. And finally I decided it was just like a an arrogant conceit to... Like, some people hold their clothing together by safety pins because they have no alternative. Yeah. So it felt stupid for me to be doing that as a style <laughs> note. So I ended no, that. I, we've all gone through that. I used to wear uh, skinny jeans that were, were once worn by girls. So, you know. You know what? All... We all make our choices. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, <laughs> there were the, the scene, like, picturing okay. that kind of person. Morrissey is still cool in my eyes. Morrissey is still, still cool. We're hanging out. Um, I would have been very intimidated by you in high school, <laughs> but I would have been, like, secretly, like, crushing on you because I loved all the, any all girl the goth girls. the, yes. I was a goth the, girl. The, the band t-shirts, the torn up, like, uh, jeans and stuff. Yeah. That was that was my jam. Maybe like a streak of like purple or something. I have purple. I have blue. I have pink, pink. bangs for a yep. long time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was okay. So anyway, we're back with Amy Guth. Um, you're in that time. So we're in the yeah. time capsule right now. What's the one question you would have opened with for Morrissey? Oh man. Or not opened with, but what's the one question you would have wanted to make sure you asked him when in your interview? That's a really hard question. I'm going to think of something brilliant later. <laughs> I mean, I think I We could, can always edit this, by the way. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I want to say I take that right now. Mm-hmm. Today, me and today am. Mm-hmm. Get him on get him on my show yeah. and let's and, and like 
what are you doing, mm-hmm. man? What are you doing? There's so many people that have loved you for such a long time. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Why are you being this guy? Mm-hmm. Like, that, that's what I would want to know. Like, explain yourself, young man. Yeah. That's what I would do to him right now because I just, like, he's making me close up an era. Mm-hmm. I was open to being a lifelong fan, and now I'm going to be like, oh, I, I loved, or I love the Smiths, but he now, I have to separate him and... And I have to say my fanship ends at a certain point. Yeah. And that's kind of tricky. You know what? That'd be a really great question because I'm sure he, looking introspectively, I, I don't know how he would even answer it. Maybe oh, no one's even asked him that. He'd before. hang up on me. <laughs> no, would... you're in person with him here. He can't hang up oh, on me. Oh, he can't. You. Yeah. So we've kidnapped Morrissey. We've kidnapped Morrissey. <laughs> he's, he's here. Really fascinating booking tactics we're using here at WGN. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, back in the day, though, I think I would have asked him something about about his childhood and how mm-hmm. he was able to start articulating such realness to paper. What a journalistic mind that you have, Amy. <laughs> yes. That Let's was start great. at the beginning, son. Like, <laughs> what happened and what made you say, I'm going to put this down on paper exactly? I mean, that's the, that's the whole human thing, right? We all struggle to be our real and authentic selves. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he does a pretty good job, perhaps too good a job now. Yeah. But, but you know, what he gets criticized for, it's like, dude, we're all thinking that kind of dark stuff. Mm-hmm. He's just brave enough to say it. Yeah. And he's open enough to say it. And I have to give him props for that. So what made him that way? Mm-hmm. Why did you feel open enough? Despite feeling very discontent with your upbringing and mm-hmm. your surroundings, mm-hmm. which is usually what makes you shut off because you're like, oh, I'm weird. I'm different than everybody. I'm going to not. Yeah. I'm going to not share who I am. Which is sad because there's a lot of people who have probably have really great minds, but they're just so shy and they're so sheltered in this little like chestnut. They just break out and just be yourself. Yeah. And like you, I think, you know, when you get if you feel like you don't belong to a place and you feel like mocked or teased mm-hmm. or bullied or whatever, like it's easy to just kind of be like, oh, I'm not, my full self is not welcome. Mm-hmm. And who hasn't felt that? I've f- certainly felt that way oh before Oh my gosh, my life. every single day. <laughs> yeah, and it's, you know, and we all are our own weird way behind closed doors yeah. and with the people that are close to us and, and that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I think something was different about him that made him, as a very young man, not shut that part of himself down Mm -hmm. or at least be willing to not care if he was criticized for it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's admirable because I think for most of us, like we're much older when we go, you know what? I'm tired of caring what anyone else thinks. I'm just going to do my thing. I'm just going to say what I think. Even if people think it's shocking, I don't care. I just have to say he, he was that way out of the gate. And that's really interesting to me. So that's, that's what I would want to find out is what made you that way? What made you both not content and feel like an outcast, but not turn that in on yourself? Yeah. That's what I would want to know. That is very, very, very deep. I, I love that question. Mine would have been, what's with the Squeeze album? You really don't have it? <laughs> you no really squeeze don't have album? <laughs> I'm pulling most, one of the greatest. Hey, I was that lady that fell through the cardboard <laughs> thing and made the pterodactyl noise at you. Sorry about that, bro. All right. So to close out the podcast, we give each album a rating. It's on the Avenge 7 scale. So 1 to 7 is what you can rate it. 4 is the true neutral. Amy, hmm. what is your rating for The Queen is Dead by The Smiths? Well, because I don't think that any, even things that we say, it's just business are never just business. It's Mm -hmm. always about emotions. It's Mm -hmm. always about human beings, even the stock market, everything is. So I'm going to give it a seven because I have a lot of life and a lot of feelings bound up in that album. Wow. I love it. A solid seven, the highest score you can get. I think that for me, 
I took on this album, didn't know what to expect. I knew that I knew the sound, I knew the quality, I knew the folklore of, of the Smiths. But man, hearing those stories and hearing what it meant to you, hearing what it meant to other Smiths fans, and to actually dive into the lyrics, I was going to give it, I was much lower. You're going to give it like a two. <laughs> but, but my rating for the Smiths, The Queen is Dead, I'm going to give it a solid six. Nice. Six. That's, that feels like a victory. Yeah. I brought you around. You did. You did. And let's close out with one of Amy's favorite running songs, Some Girls Are Bigger Than Others. Thanks for joining us, Amy. Gladly. Anytime. Wait, before we go, pause. we got to make sure that we get all of your promotional stuff in. Where can we find you? Where can we contact you? Where can we listen to you on WGN? Well, as I said, not amygooth.com. Okay. On account of that being hacked go. to smithereens. That is not connected with Amy anymore. So uh, find me on Twitter, at Amy Guth. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of mail here addressed to Amy Goose, like the animal. <laughs> it's Guth, G-U-T-H. It mm-hmm. rhymes with truth. Um, Smell like Ruth, but with a G. Mm-hmm. Great. So find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'm all over those places. But uh, go to WGMario.com, search Amy Guth, or go search Crane's Daily Gist and mm-hmm. you can hear my daily business podcast. I love that podcast. Thank you. Lots of good stuff happening. Saturday Night Special. Saturday Night Special. Although I'm going to be preempted until like October because of baseball. So uh, not geez. so much. But the Wintrust Business Lunch, I got you on Saturdays. I got you. That's right. Well, Amy, thanks again for joining us. Great album. And I hope to speak to you soon. See you next week. <laughs>